Welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Um, this is episode 53. We have a great guest for you, Michelle Favre, uh, former national champion in the NCAA Division III level. Um, before we start, obviously, ways to keep in uh, keep in touch and contact with Apex Vaulting. You can email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. Um, Please feel free to reach out. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at the Real Apex Vaulting. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook, Snapchat, and Twitter, Apex Vaulting. Um, and you could also check out our YouTube channel, Apex Vaulting, as well. Um, I know I've talked about it in the last couple of podcasts. It's out there. Um, anybody looking for online coaching, if you don't have access to a club or a coach in your area, or if you're a young coach or even an advanced coach who's just looking for some new ideas, it's definitely a service that. Um, you should check out. We send you a slow-mo video of the jump jump or jumps that you want us to look at, and I do a voiceover analyzing the whole jump. Then we send you video links of the drills that you need to do um, that will help improve the mistakes that we saw in the jump and give you kind of a program for the next two weeks or up to six weeks, depending on the package that you get. Uh, Definitely uh, check us out. So this is going to be episode 53. Uh, I think you guys are going to really love it. Uh, Check it out. All right. So uh, Michelle Favre is here. Uh, So lucky to have her as a guest. Um, Look, she's got many accolades. Um, She was Division III national champion, indoor and outdoor. She also set the indoor national record. Um, It was funny. I think like it was a year later I saw you were ranked 92nd in the world that year, which was just that's just so mind blowing to think about where you started. Um, but you know, I, I was kind of talking to you, uh, about doing the podcast. Cause I feel like a lot of times, you know, there's so much to discuss about pole vaulting and people forget context. A lot of the stuff that I post tends to kind of be, I would say geared towards people starting out in the pole vault. And I, I don't know if everybody realizes that or not, but like I'm posting drills and, and different things on, on just practice that is very important when you're that beginner coach or beginner athlete just starting out in the sport. But it also, it, there's a process where you can extrapolate that out and kind of grow it as like, as you get better, the process develops and grows with you. Um, so you can add on, um, but today's podcast, I wanted to kind of talk to you about your journey, about how you went from, like, I mean, when I first started coaching you, you were an 8-6 vaulter, you know, yeah. sophomore in high school, and then all the way to this 13-9 and 3 quarters vaulter in Division three, and kind of, like, what it took to get to that level. I mean, I guess a great way to start, I remember one time, I think it was your junior year, we're on the plane flight to Nationals, and I said to you, I said... If you knew it would take the effort that it takes, and you can go into the effort, like things that stick out to you, but if you knew it took this kind of effort to jump like 13 plus, you know, and I told you that as a sophomore in high school, you know, would you have kept doing it? And you were like, I don't think so. This is pretty crazy. Um, what you, talk about it. Like, what, what are your, some things that stand out to you that really helped you get to that level and the effort and, and sacrifices, you know? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, it was definitely a, a tough journey. There's always the ups and downs, but uh, right. I think if you just start off, like we started, you know, learning the basics, and then we just right. kept continued to grow and build on that, and then I was getting better at um, the small progresses. So that kind of got me excited, and that was 
we were at a time when you just formed the club, so everything was Yeah, I, I was a beginner coach. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I actually was telling a funny story today at the meet. Uh, something happened to someone's plug on the pole. And I remember we were having a practice. I think you were on like a 1220 at the time. And, you know, Michelle's coming down, gets stood up. I'm like, ah, you know, just... You know, I, I guess I did that, like, kind of bullshit uh, coaching. I was like, ah, you just got to run harder, you know? <laughs> Come down, get stood up again. It was like maybe once or twice more, and I was like, you know what? You're tired. Let's shut it down. And then I noticed, I'm like, oh, there's no plug on the end of the pole. We noticed that that fell off at some point, and I'm like, oh, I guess that plug on the bottom is important. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's – I thought you were actually going to talk about the uh, the other time when – When you I messed on, up which pole, when I, yeah. Well, I was on a 13 instead of a 12-foot pole. Yeah. And then uh, I got stood up, and then I right. think Craig tried to catch me a couple times because I just oh, – I was like, goodness. oh, let me just try again because I thought it was funny. Yeah, um, yeah. I was just, you know um, – Right. Very – it, it didn't phase me at the time. I was like, this yeah, is fun. And right. I wasn't concerned about getting injured for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different from the end of my training. But, you know, in the beginning, yeah, then... Uh, well, yeah, I had noticed because I, I moved your step back. But I'm like, the mid is right and you should be fine. I don't know why you're getting ripped off the ground. And again, I shut it down. And then I was like, you know, where's the... I don't know. I was looking for... I think the 1220, I'm like, whatever. And it's like, oh, you were on the 1320 by accident. Yeah. So, so, so crazy the mistakes that you make kind of in the beginning stages, which I guess for people listening, I mean, look, there's nothing wrong in the beginning when you're learning this sport. Mistakes happen. I think the biggest thing, you know, that I see that kind of gets me upset. And I think, again, you know, this is where people might uh, get confused by me, but it's like, the biggest mistake I can see is the people who, who stop trying to learn, you know, the people who stop trying to ask questions. I mean, at that point, even when I was coaching you, I would walk up to every coach that I saw to me and ask questions, you know, and see if anybody had some info for me because I'm, I'm trying to learn. And still to this day, you know, I'm trying to learn. I keep my eyes open. I'm watching. I mean, uh, at the meet today, Tim Beach was there who coaches with Sacred Heart. And I mean, he's a, a great resource. Uh, I mean, I love Tim Beach. He, he know he has a lot of knowledge. He knows a lot of, lot of good stuff I, any chance i get to talk to him you know i definitely talk to him to try to learn um so nothing wrong with where you start is just make sure you're learning and growing and um so i, I guess continue so in the beginning we're just trying to learn the basics and i guess you know you're trying to chase that carrot you jumped a little higher you want to jump the next bar you know yeah yeah i'm pretty relentless uh when it comes to trying to achieve any goals that i set too so you know. yeah any little excitement and progress, then I would just get excited to work a little bit harder and mm -hmm. learn a little bit more. And, you know, again, it was a very exciting time in the pole because that's when the women's... Uh, women's vault really, was pretty new, yeah. It was new, but it was booming because there was, right. like, Nikki Pompey, Chrissy Finkel, and all that. But even right. before, I wasn't even at that stage yet when yeah, I first yeah. started. But, um, you know, I was excited my freshman year when I jumped seven for the first time. Right. And my high school was like... Oh, we never had anyone clear a bar in I don't even know how many years. Right, so, right. <laughs> and then I think maybe just because I had, I definitely was a little bit faster naturally. Mm -hmm. And then maybe a little bit of the gymnastics background that I was able to right. you know, still jump seven without a coach. But right. now, I mean, that's not really a, that big. 
Right. Well, I mean, it's funny. You're saying it's not that big a deal, but I still know kids at high schools where maybe, you know, I mean, look, there's just not a lot of pole vault coaches out there. So it's like there's still those high schools that they don't have a coach. If they get a girl over seven, they are excited. So there's still those places. But yeah, as far as like how meaningful things are, I mean, like, because even when I, you know, coached you your sophomore year, you went from eight, six to 10, six. I mean, 10 was a big bar. You started jumping 10. It was like, oh, my goodness. That was huge. And now that's kind of like, okay. Yeah. You know, it's so weird. You know what I mean? Well, I think that was – wasn't that the state sectional record? Yeah, yeah. 10-1 or 10-3 outdoors sophomore year. Right. Uh, So – yeah, things have really come a long way since then. I'll yeah. Well, I mean, and you were even the first 12 foot girl in Bergen County. And right, yeah. now, I mean, it seems like every year there's two or three girls that jump 12, you know? So, I mean, it's like you really want to be competitive even in New Jersey. It seems like, you know, you got to go 12 plus. And I mean, obviously, we know also how much things have changed at each division level. I mean, you know, now the Division three record is. I think fourteen two by Cat Pittman, and you know, obviously, Division One is just unbelievable. And yeah. you know, we've I've definitely had people on the podcast. We've talked about the whole thing about how uh, what I think is crazy sometimes is like you know, a girl will jump like eleven and be like, oh, I got to go D one, and it's like um, you do know you got to jump like fourteen to go to nationals there. Like right, it's a, yeah. a little bit crazy. And it was funny because even when you were choosing schools, I mean, you definitely had that in consideration. Like you were at twelve one, but you wanted to be competitive. You wanted to have a chance at going to nationals and stuff. And you knew D one even back then. It was kind of like that thirteen six, thirteen nine bar was what it was going to take. You know, and then like you know, not every college situation is is accommodating for pole vault. Right, exactly. I mean, remember a huge part of my decision in, in choosing to go to Rampo and to continue working with you is you know you kind of laid it out for me well you know if you go to one your goal could be to go to nationals by the right. senior year right you know or if you go d3 your goal could be to win nationals your senior year right so i was like well when you frame it that way then obviously i'm gonna want to try and go d3, go, go d3 yeah and then not have the pressure of you know, if I had any athletic scholarships and having to maintain that because right. there's stress with that, with being healthy. And, yeah. You know, I wanted to focus and make sure my primary goal was academics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting, too, like the way you put that. You know, I, I feel like some people might hear that and be like, oh, my God, Bronco, why are you telling her that maybe by senior year she would go to D1 Nationals? And, you know, the thing is, like, I – I one, I never like to set limits on athletes, but at the same time, I want to give them realistic, attainable goals. You know, I, I just I find it hard. You know, you jump twelve one for me to be like, hey, listen, you could jump fourteen your freshman year. I mean, that's that's a big jump. You know, right. yeah. You know, wait, well, go ahead. No, I was gonna say when I was a sophomore in high school, when I first started coaching <laughs> yeah. with you, yeah, yeah, you, were like, you gave me the stats of this five. Four, five, five girl. No, I think she was five six or five seven. I think her name was Caitlin Rains. She was a Division two vaulter, and she had set the Division two record that year at fourteen feet. (laughs) Yeah, and I had I was coaching you and KL Markson at the time, and KL was five foot six, and you were you were five five or five four maybe even at the time. You know, and I'm like, well, you know, you're a little bit shorter. Maybe you can't (laughs) jump what Caitlin did, but you know, it's like I'm doing the math. Like I'm constantly using data. You know, and uh, yeah, I tend to think that's probably why you ended up jumping so high. You probably just were so pissed that I said that to you. you, you well, ever to since then, wrong. you like 
planted the seed in my mind, so I was always like, oh, I got to jump 14 now. But that's what, you know, there's always that big number that kind of got in the way, which, you know, it's well, a yeah. separate topic. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it's funny, you know, you bring up like the numbers, and I think even early on in my coaching, you know, that was kind of an issue. Like, we're always chasing numbers, and there's nothing wrong with numbers, people. Like, that's great. You break a PR, or you break your school record, that's awesome. But I feel like sometimes also people put too much emphasis on that. They're not talking about competition enough because that – it was funny. I was talking to Mike Lorick who coached Abby Schaefer who you jumped against in Division Three, And, um, you know, people don't talk about competition enough. I mean Mike literally told me on the phone. He goes, Bronco, let me tell you. Abby knew when Michelle was going to be at the meet and, you know – she wanted to bring her A game, you know? And I think there's always those circles of people that you know it's like, okay, you're, it's kind of an even match, right? Like if you're going to the meet and like by the time you would jump 13 plus, if there's an 11 foot girl there, you're not really competing against 11 foot girl. Right. But if there's another 13 footer, like you, you try to win that day. You don't, you definitely don't want to lose, you know? And so I feel like even, I, I wish people would put more of a concentration on the competition aspect because even – it was interesting. I don't know if you saw on Facebook this past week, Rick Schur posted something on Facebook, this big post that we're in the dark ages of pole vault. Um, he said because most Americans uh, use fake marks and it's not legal runways and this – and listen – I, I I have a lot of respect for Rick. What Rick and Jen have done is amazing. And I this is what I think is huge. I think Rick and Jen are great competitors. I think the focus has to be on competition. I, I mean, look, I really don't care. Like, first of all, no two runways are the same. If we're really being honest, right? No two runways are the same. You know, New York City Armory. Oh, yeah. That's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's like jumping on steroids. It's just a different <laughs> runway. You're not going to jump as high anywhere else. Most of the PRs happened right there. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, that's the thing. It's like, no two runways are, are the same. You know, no, you know what? No two days are the same. I mean, oh, you, you start to, you start to even talk about humidity or if you talk about altitude and, you know, there's a slew. And guys, in Povol, we don't have a wind gauge. So what happens when you're in Texas relays like everybody is and they get a huge tailwind and they they all jump out of their pants that day, never hit the mark again? I mean, come on. Like, to me, I think it should come down to competition. Like, uh, and that that's what I think is a little bit messed up in the system. But I don't, I don't want to go off too much on a tangent. Um, going back to, like, kind of what we we're talking about, I think what I was always proud of with a lot of athletes, and I can think of a bunch in my head, but, you know, you're, you're maybe the prime example. I mean, you're the highest female I've ever coached, you know, most successful. We really, really were trying to reach your ultimate potential. You know what I mean? What were, what were some things that, like, as you started to get deeper, now let's talk deeper levels, right? Like, we talked a little bit when you were younger. It's like, okay, make sure the pole tip is on the pole. That's important, <laughs> right? Those are things we worried about when you were younger and little drills. And we always drilled, like, your whole career. But what were some of the now deeper layer things, like, as you became a sophomore, junior, or senior in college, you were starting mm -hmm. to jump those higher bars, what started to become important to you in training? What were some things that maybe helped you take it to the next level that maybe some people don't realize? That's a good question. Um, I mean, there's a lot of little things that all pretty much add up together. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was definitely tough, I'll say that, because yeah. I felt like it was, it's a, being a collegiate athlete is a bit of a lonely experience when you're trying to achieve uh, those higher marks and those higher levels and you know having the teammates to support 
were mm-hmm. helpful. And then, you know, when... Uh, well, talk about... I mean, look, I feel like you were a little bit fanatical about stuff like, you know, training days, you know, sleep, nutrition. Okay. Like, you got to talk about all this stuff. Like, I feel like you're going for... I don't even know where your head's going right now, but, like, just talk about that because I think most people don't realize. Like, when you talk about how hard it is, you know, I don't think they're getting... I mean, maybe you're trying to touch upon even just the pressure you felt from the week to week of just having to get better. But talk about some of those, those tangible things we can discuss now, like, like training, you know, like, uh, how, what did you have to do to, to get on bigger poles? What did you have to do to, to reach those higher PRs? What do you think was super, super important that you feel like maybe some other people who could have jumped as high as you didn't do? You know what I mean? You oh, might yeah, even yeah, think yeah. about like personal examples. You don't have to name names. I'm saying, but right, you know. yeah. I mean, first thing that comes to mind is always sticking to the training program and never missing a workout, unless there was um, a situation where I was feeling sick or, or injury tired, or something. Injury. Yeah, yeah. But the you know even through the injuries though, we even worked uh, through uh, doing rehab programs to make sure that I Yeah, and we would find some high. other exercise that you could yeah, yeah, do yeah. during that time. Exactly. But I think the the biggest key what made separated me from, you know, some of the other athletes was just really sticking to the program and trusting the program. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, in those yeah, yeah. sophomore junior year especially. Yeah. Um, and you know through just sticking with it out through the months and months of work, then all those little steps add up. And, you know, I remember being a student and it, I was a biology major. So, it was yeah. Little, so it was um, really easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, we have to have just side note. We literally would have to fly a different day for nationals for Michelle because she's like, well, I can't miss this class. Like, can we fly a day later? I remember the one time I was shitting my pants. I was like, there was snow coming, so we might not get the flight out. I'm like, I'm going to get in my car. We're driving to Chicago. Like, I don't care. Uh, but, yeah, so it's very, you know, your class, the class uh, load was very high on you. You know, it was heavy. Yeah, yeah. So, like, as bio majors, we would have to have two lab classes typically extra semesters. Um, Sometimes I play around with the schedule to make it a little bit easier for myself. Um, but, um, but, yeah, always working around that. And when, you know, we would train sometimes at noon. And right. And like out at class in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I would usually have class at night. So I think I would do half a workout after we right. did. And then I would go to class. And then our lab would get out at 9 p.m. And then the gym would close at 10. So if I didn't finish my workout... I was going right back to the gym and taking advantage of that last hour right. open and finishing that workout and like being really strict about sticking to the routine and sticking to the training program so that way we can continue to keep moving forward. Right. And, you know, something that I guess like I, I would like to touch upon there that you, you're bringing up is like that idea of just like consistency. Yeah. You know, I feel like so many people don't realize that it's like, I don't care. It was funny. I was talking to Tim Beach about this. It doesn't matter how great your training plan is. It doesn't matter how great your technique is. If you don't believe in it and stick to it, you know, and that's so, so important. I mean, I remember when you were jumping in college, talking to another athlete and I said, listen, you know, Michelle might have like a shitty practice, right? Jumping wise and be pissed off. Like you'd be like so (laughs) pissed, but it's like, she never misses her workout afterwards. Like you're going to hit that lifting session. 
Because you knew, like, we knew the direct correlation. Like, as the weights went up, your mid moved further back. As your mid moved further back, your grip went up. Your pole stiffness went up, and you jumped higher. So it was like, you knew, it's like, okay, well, just because I have a bad pole practice, I'm not going to now double screw it up by not having a good lift session. Right, right, exactly. Um, You know, you have to keep that in mind when, like, say you have a bad practice, then mm-hmm. I definitely would get very mad. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but, you know, we would talk about it. It's like the end goal is to get better, and staying mad about it is not going to get me to that next level. So I'm going to try and put that aside and kind of get over it. Right. Suck it up and <laughs> do the lifts. And right. continue to move forward so that way the next day will be better, and then eventually, you know, once it comes peak season, then we're ready to go and we're right. Peaking. Right. We planned it very well. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you bring up even a separate topic now about peaking. I mean, I feel like, you know, some people in track talk about peaking. I think maybe there's pole vaulters out there that talk about peaking. I certainly don't see enough uh, information or content out there on that. But we definitely planned it so that we would have our best jumps at the end of the season. I I mean, I think actually initially we would kind of try to do a double peak in the beginning of the season, end of the season. And that never quite worked out as well as we'd like. So that's why we kind of stuck to just peaking at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing. You have to stick to the plane. You got to keep going. I mean, I even, I, I always tell people, I remember you would sometimes even complain if you had like a wedding to go to on the weekend. You know what I mean? Like talk, <laughs> oh, talk like, about that. Oh, yeah. Talk, talk well, about things I mean, like that. I remember when, you know, junior year is when everyone turns 21 in college. Right, and, right. Um, so uh, my, I was always one of the younger ones, but my roommates were, mm-hmm. Two of them had the same birthday, and then everyone was trying to go out. But I remember right. this this was February, right when championships were yeah, starting. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're like, oh, are you coming out? And I'm like, uh, I have practice tomorrow that I really yeah. want to do well at because we were going to do a long run. Right, me, right, know? right. So, so I didn't go, and, mm-hmm. you know, I got a little... Um, the roommates weren't exactly that happy with me. Right, right. But, I mean, they understood at the end of the day. J- just out of curiosity, how was the practice? Because I certainly don't know the time you're talking about. Was it a good practice or no? I honestly don't remember. Okay. All it right. probably was average because yeah. that was... Right, that well, time of year. Time. Yeah. So, I mean, well, I, it, that's fine. I was just wondering if you knew. But... Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's, that's something that's really critical. And I think for athletes listening to this or coaches, you know, when we talk about commitment, you know, I, I think sometimes that really escapes people. You know, I think, first of all, it's easy to go to pole vault practice and jump, right? Like everybody likes jumping. It's easy to stretch out. You know, it's easy to go to the meets, right? Like everybody does that. But something like that that you bring up, like, Look, it is February is a critical time of year. You know, if you're if you're any division college athlete or even honestly high school because that's states, you know, that's a critical, critical time of year. And okay, now your buddies have, you know, twenty first birthday, everybody wants to go get drunk and like that's fine, but if you choose that, like obviously that's gonna have a negative impact on your performance. You made the decision not to do that. I mean, I, I know I talked to you sometimes during that time because that was right when you went to college was kind of when I went full time with the business. Yeah. And I lost a lot of friendships over the business because I would have friends who were like, hey, we got to hang out. And I'm like, um, I, you know, I have practice, you know. And, and sometimes even it was like, hey, uh, you know, it's after practice. You want to grab a beer? I'm like, well, I have to wake up early for a meet. I mean, I even had meets where I remember I would go to Bucknell with you guys. 
I don't know if you remember these. <laughs> these we, are the rough meets. Yeah, I remember the Bucknell Yeah, ones. we would go to Bucknell. Typically, you would jump well because Bucknell is yeah, pretty yeah, quick yeah, runway. Yeah. So, you know, we would go to Bucknell. You'd jump there. I will bring you guys back to Ramapo, drive back. I like we wouldn't. I wouldn't drop you guys off till two, sometimes three in the morning. I think I remember four o'clock in the morning. One wow, because that's probably the time that I didn't even actually go to sleep at all. <laughs> I drove right back to the club, picked up poles, and went to Lehigh for a high school meet. And so, like when we talk about commitment, like that's the thing. It's like you know, if you want to jump high, you've got to make sacrifices and commitments. And you know what? Maybe your friends will be upset with you if you don't go out for their twenty-first birthday. Maybe if you're a coach, you might lose a friend here or there. <laughs> um, but like the, but the thing is, like those are kind of the things that you have to do. I know even even um, you know a lot of athletes complain about family members. You know, family members be like, ah, oh, come on, have some cake, have some oh, yeah. cake. You know, and it's like, thanks, but like really, like I have a me, and I know even me personally. I remember one week I jumped really well on a Monday, guys. I was like killing it. Um, I think I don't know if I had jumped 14 yet. Uh, my lifetime best is 14 from a 5, 13 foot grip. Anyway, so, but um, I had a killer practice on a Monday, and I'm like, all right, I meet Saturday. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm just going to kind of rest, relax. But, you know, I ate like a fat ass all week. I had like chicken parm, I had, you know, stuff like that. I get to Saturday, I was slow as shit, and I know heighted. And it's like, it was my own fault. You know what I mean? I didn't make those sacrifices. So I don't want anybody to take this podcast the wrong way. I'm not saying don't eat. You know what I mean? But it's like, you definitely have to eat healthy. You have to take care of yourself. You know, I know maybe someone listens and goes, oh, come on. It's your friend's 21st birthday. Just, you know, have a drink. And it's like, yeah, maybe. But even if you stay up till two o'clock in the morning, practice is not going to be good the next day. Yeah, no, because sleep is key. Like I was very big on Mm -hmm. trying to get good sleep so that way I could recover quickly enough to have good practices because I always struggled with recovery in general. Yeah, yeah. I always needed a little bit extra than most other people so I was a little almost probably obsessive with it. Right, so. right. Where you would have like trouble falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. I'd be thinking about oh, I'm not going to get eight hours or whatever. Right. So I think I even needed like nine hours at the time. Like I would yeah, be yeah. very, very particular about how yeah. much sleep I would get. Well, so. I mean I, I feel like people don't understand too you know, I know a lot of pivot people out there talk about doing explosive stuff like Olympic lifts, but what you don't realize is when you're especially long approach days in the pole that's explosive. That is very central nervous system intensive. And so when you you want to have a good long approach day, you've got to be rested. I mean, in fact, yeah. today I got text messages from Nick Homan, uh, that tattooed Walter. He's been on the podcast. He had a meet today, and he's like, "Listen, like today sucked, but it's my fault. I lifted all week and I didn't rest." All right, well, that, and I saw the video, and I'm like, "Yeah, your legs looked heavy, bro." You know, so it's like that's the thing. All these things, you know, they they're important, you know, and that consistency of training, super, super important. Um, maybe talk about that. Like, how did you deal with the stress of maybe, you know, friends or family during that time that you're training? I mean, was that difficult for you? Like having to deal with that kind of stuff sometimes? Did did it feel lonely? Of course. Yes, definitely. Um, it got, harder as the years went on I think because I I got a little more stricter with each year and each season so I was always trying to push the limits especially senior year that was very very tough Mm -hmm. I felt very lonely in in the experience uh, because that was the time when everyone was wrapping up college they were kind of relaxing trying to have a good time so you know I'm surrounded by that and, and whenever 
you go through some kind of transition period, it's always a little bit stressful because I didn't know exactly right. what I wanted to do yeah. career-wise after mm-hmm. during that time. I was originally going to go to physical therapy school, but then I right. was having hesitations. So right. I was having that stress in the back of my mind and the pressure to, um, you know, I still wanted to pole vault and compete. And I committed, well, at right. the time I was said I was going to commit to a yeah, year post-collegiate yeah. and then, you know, things happen. Right. And, and we could talk about that in a second, but, you know, that's the thing that I think is very difficult when... You know, you're trying to do something highly successful. You know, you're trying to do something that's not very easy. What I try to explain to everybody all the time is like, it is going to be lonely. It is difficult. And a lot of people aren't going to understand. I mean, again, I can't tell you how many times I've had athletes talk to me like, oh, like my friends are like, why don't you go to more parties? Or my friends are like, oh, why do you, you know, why, why won't you just have some fun? And it's like, they're not going to get it. They're, they're not. just they they're, don't. they're not. And and look, you had some teammates, you know, your senior year who I you know, I love that group. That that's one of my favorite groups that I've ever coached. But certainly some of those people in their senior year were kind of like hands off. You know, like they'll jump, but like it's not yeah. that important and you know, they'll kind of get by. And and that's totally okay. Like look, here's the other thing too. Again, I'm I'm so you know, big on like context. You know, people have to understand context. There's stages of this. You know, it's like if we're talking about, you know, a little kid in high school learning a pole vault, I always talk, call it, you know, the ice cream and sprinkles stage. You know, you know height, let's go get ice cream after meat. UPR, let's get ice cream after meat, you know. But as you get to those deeper layers and you're talking about someone who's trying to be national caliber and especially, you know, and maybe you should, you should touch upon this, you know. Especially when you're not one of the best athletes on the runway. I mean, because for at five five, 125 pounds, yeah. you know, and look, you had decent speed. I mean, I think I, I timed you at like eight meters per second, which is pretty good for a female. Um, but you didn't have like some kind of blazing, blazing speed like off the run, uh, off the runway. I mean, you you'd maybe could do like a sub 13 second hundred if we really trained for it, but nothing crazy. Like you weren't yeah, gonna go no. 11 eight or something <laughs> like that. You know, so it's like, I mean. Maybe you can explain, like, when you were on the runway at some of those, like, big armory meets or even at nationals, like, when you stood there and you looked at the people you're jumping against, like, you know, what what are, what are some feelings or thoughts that kind of would hit you in those moments, you know? Well, not thinking about that. That is <laughs> super important, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, but, I, I mean, mean certainly always... you were aware, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I looked forward to those meets because that was when, you know, I'm facing the biggest competitors, and right. I always wanted to face the D1 athletes because, yeah. you know, I don't know if this would be like an insecurity of being a D3 athlete, of you know having uh, this notion that they're not as good of right. athletes and blah 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 all right. that. So, you know, as a D3 athlete, I always wanted to prove that D3 athletes you're on their be, level. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's you know my proudest accomplishment was is definitely Penn Relays my senior year. Right. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, senior year we go to Penn Relays, and actually that's a great story. So we're we're so Michelle had broken the indoor D3 record. She won nationals. You know, and you know now we we kind of started training over again. So we're we're definitely not peaking. Penn Relays is so early in yeah. the season. It's like kind of mid-April-ish, you know, and, you know, we have to peak at mid-May, you know, or late May, actually, and so, um, you know, we're practicing, and 
you you were like, I want to do well at Penn Relays. I'm like, okay, but like, if we do a six, you'll be consistent, uh-huh. and you could like kind of battle, or we could go back to your seven or eight, but like, you might blow through all three attempts. And we got a huge. I mean, do you remember that? Like, I mean, almost every practice that year. Well, was yes, but that one <laughs> but sticks that one, out. Okay, yeah. I remember that day too because this is when I started not getting sleep because when I, I started yeah. obsessing about every little thing that I could do to make myself better. And if I yeah, didn't you're do starting it to right, micromanage <laughs> your schedule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it got bad. Um, but um, but yeah, that I wasn't. I didn't get that much sleep. Maybe. Five hours or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I remember texting my friend that morning on the drive because for some reason my parents, my dad drove me that morning. Okay. And um, I was just sitting in the car like, I can't nap. I'm like very stressed out about going to this meet. I'm not going to do well. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And then for some reason this friend like calmed me down a yeah, little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I was still very agitated <laughs> and like stressed out and nervous <laughs> going to this meet. Yeah. Um, and then we get there and then I, we, I do the sixth step. And yeah, because I, I was like, we're going to do the six. You said you want to be competitive. We're going to do the six. Because actually, yeah. earlier in the season, we went to a big meet. We went down to Tennessee for Sea Ray oh, Relays. Yeah. And we tried to do a longer approach, and you just weren't ready. And it was like bad day. you know. So I'm like, all right, we're just going to do the six. Yeah. Yeah, and even then, I don't know if I was even comfortable doing a six so much. We didn't probably yeah, still yeah. even... I still feel like also you were very, very strong opinion on this because I remember the practice. <laughs> you were like, I'm not going to jump high from a six. I can't jump high from a six. I'm like, you'll be fine. Like, you're going to get on, like, almost the same pole. Like, don't worry about it. That sounds familiar. That's something, <laughs> that's something that probably would have happened knowing that year. Yeah. But, but, yeah, no, no, I almost know how to, though, too. I almost well, blow through those Yeah, you went blow through, so. blow through, and then you cleared the first bar on the last attempt. Did I, like, yeah. You just nudged it, it right? yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then I ended up tying my outdoor PR. Right. You, ju- you jumped 13.5. 13. Yeah. yeah. 4.10, yeah. Yeah, and, and you won, you know, that day, and it was it was super awesome. It was great. Um and, it, and it's so funny. I mean, to talk about also the stress levels when you're really trying to achieve something like that. I mean, one, I try to use that moment. I think I even said this to you that day. I said, Michelle, let's say you blew through on that last attempt. Are you not as good as what you did today? You know what I mean? It's like, because yeah. sometimes you have to keep that perspective. I mean, you know, I had an athlete even yesterday kind of have a subpar performance. And I said, look, this is just one meet. You know, obviously it sucks. Nobody likes having a bad day. Nobody likes losing. But... Long term, you know, we know what happened today. We can make the adjustments, and it's not like your PR is lower today. You're still capable. You know what I mean? And that's the thing, though. You kind of sometimes micromanage every meet and say, oh, my God, if this isn't a PR, you know, and you get really pissed, you know. But it's you got to learn to kind of manage that temper. You know, I think think it's bad if you lose it a little bit. You know, like, you can't be happy after jumping bad. That's not what I'm saying. You know, but you definitely, you can't let it crush you emotionally, you know? Right. I mean, that's, that was a huge, I was very good at being mentally strong mm-hmm. junior year and dealing with the pressure and always mm-hmm. thinking of the end goal and, like, you know, I definitely get mad the day of. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, the next day, you got to put that aside. And right. move forward. Uh, I wasn't as good as it senior year, obviously. Um, <laughs> well, it, it's – I think, you know, going back to what you said earlier, I think it's super important. I feel like a lot of people don't realize 
you know, sometimes the pressures of trying to accomplish something big, but also, okay, senior year, it's like you said, it's a transition year. You know, you're thinking about what am I going to do the rest of my life? You know, and it's so crazy. I feel like that senior year, it's like, there's so many people that think that they're supposed to graduate college and like, that's it. Like life is set everything, you know, they're going to have a house with a white picket fence and magically a a husband or wife is going to appear and two kids, you know, and it's like, no, like you're just finishing college. Like it's just, there's more to your life than this. Like, I mean, look, I graduated college. I was supposed to be an English teacher and now I run a pole vaulting club. You know, it's like, you never know where you end up, you know, long-term and 10 years from now, who knows what happens, right? Um, hopefully there's like 35 more apex vaultings. Um, (laughs) that's my dream vision, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's huge. Um, could you maybe go into like a little bit deeper about like specifically the training? Like, you know, what were some numbers that you felt like were important? Like, I mean, single leg squats were huge for you. Like, what what did yeah. you you know? And maybe talk about trying to hit those numbers. You know what I mean? Like, what what that was like? You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm not the best lifter. I'll say that, and you could definitely vouch for me. That I was very weak in comparison to most. I I think definitely initially, (laughs) definitely initially. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I definitely came a long way, especially with the the single leg squats. Cause I think I started out not even being, well, if I, when I double leg squat with the the Smith machine, it was like a hundred pounds. Yeah. Something like, (laughs) something like Susie, right. Susie Pappas, she was maybe 110 pounds at the time. She was definitely doing over like 200 pounds or something like that. With yeah, a, yeah, with yeah. The, it's a Smith machine squat. It was in the beginning. <laughs> that's what we had in the weight room and that's right, what yeah. we used. You and know? then I think, uh, you know, when we switched to the single leg squats, then I had huge improvements. I think that was yeah. fresh or sophomore year. So. Definitely, definitely by freshman year of college. You might have even yeah. done it your senior year a little High bit. School. Yeah, maybe. But definitely by freshman year. Right, yeah. Um, but I was probably doing like, ma- my max was probably 120. At the time, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I first started, and then towards the end, I think my max was 200. Right, On yep. one leg. Mm-hmm. And that was the year after I graduated college that first fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, those lifting numbers definitely, I, once I was hitting around 150 and above for my single leg squats, so then I knew my speed was good yeah it would be good right and it was definitely an important training thing and you know it's what i think is even super important and we can maybe talk about after when you kind of weren't jumping as high and and you know how those numbers started going down a lot of it comes i mean one you know obviously it has to be a priority you know what i mean like the training has to be a priority when you're really trying to push the limits and if it's not I mean, one, I know I personally feel it. Like when I'm busy doing stuff for the club and trying to attend every meet and run practices, and I know my own personal training is like when I'm excited for training, I can feel it. It's like I feel like my testosterone is flaring up. Like I'm excited. I want to grab this barbell. I want to squat. And then if I'm tired, it's like, ugh. And it doesn't want to move. You know what I mean? Like you can't move the weight. And so it's like you definitely have to be amped up and you have to also kind of, I mean, Look, to move those weights, you get excited after you do it, but it's not like painful, like injury painful, but it's just, it's painful. It's a struggle to get that. Like you kind of like get lightheaded. You (laughs) might even like feel like the lights are dimming, you know? And it's like, you have to want to go there. And it was funny. I was reading an article actually, I think last year, maybe a year and a half ago, where they were talking about people who have really, the better your central nervous system is, that the idea is that because you have more, um, 
neural receptors. That's okay. the word I'm looking for. Because you have more neural receptors, right? Like the idea is like the better your central nervous system, the more neural receptors you have, that you feel more. Right, so athletes who are faster, right, tend to have better central nervous system, and that's why also it's like the feeling and intensity of a workout is so much higher for you guys, and that's why I think sometimes when you look at athletes who are really, really high end, you'll see them do weights or workouts, and you're like, you're not even pushing, like, this isn't that hard, like, go, you know, because like for me, I'm like, I'm basically like, a, like a slow dump truck or something like that. It's like, yeah, I can handle the weight and I can hand, do more workout. It's just never going to be that explosive. But so I'm never even reaching probably the intensity level. And I think for someone like you, I think that's the thing. It's like you, you have to really want to push it, you know. And I think sometimes even having training partners. I mean, for a few years there, I think it was awesome. You and Lauren Riley, who would end up jumping 12.9, would push each other. You know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. I remember you coming up to me. And you were like, um, I have a question. And you're, I'm like, what's up? You're like, um, how is Lauren lifting more weight than me? <laughs> and I, I was like, I, I was like, so I explained it like this. I go, well, like, you know, like when you're like pole vaulting and like you get stood up, but you're like, no, give me one more. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to roll this over next time. You like try harder. Like, I hate this explanation, but this is what I said. I'm like, I go, you have to kind of do that with weights. You have to like, even when it's hard, you're like, you know what? I'm going to fucking try harder and just push a little bit more. And, and that was kind of it. Cause from that moment on, you know, the weights went up, but, yeah. but here's a, a big thing too, as far as coaches who are listening, you got to find ways for athletes to buy in. Like if I, if I didn't have that explanation, if you didn't have Lauren there, you know, you would have been like, ah, why am I going to push so hard? You know? So, I mean, I, I thought that was so critical for for yeah, you yeah. you know that end of it well at that time too there wasn't that many others that we were training with or lifting with right. so to do those higher numbers seemed a little more or, or less attainable right so when you have somebody else doing it then oh oh this is like i can do this it is if possible else, yeah if someone else is doing it so so that was definitely helpful having Lauren as a teammate. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that that's huge. I know I know for me I always feel lucky and I've talked to Mike Lorick about this. When you have a club, like right, basically all these athletes have training partners and they see what other people are doing and they're like, Oh wait, I didn't think it was possible to wrap fourteen. But then it's like I post a girl rapping 14 and every other girl is now like, oh, I got to rap 14, you know. So it definitely helps. You push each other and, and you're right because I think sometimes when you look really, really far away, like, you know, let's say someone watches Sandy Morris jump. They might be like, wow, she's just so awesome. She's got to be special. Like, I can't do that. You know, in fact, what was crazy, you know, for me, um, there's a freshman girl in Montclair who today she was like, you know, I just – her PR is seven. She didn't have a coach in high school, but she's decently sized. She's like five, 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 six, you know, decent athlete. She's like, I just, she's like nine is so high. Like I can't do that. And you know, I know there's no video to this, but Michelle's smiling. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, to me, I was like, no, like I know, like, look, I get it. You look at other people jumping higher and you're like, they must have some magic trick, but it's not. It's just, you have to learn. Like you didn't have a coach in high school. We're going to work on this. It might take some time. But you can get there someday too. And what I actually like, and this pissed me off. I wonder what you think about this. I could feel the negativity from some of the college coaches watching this girl, Nohe at nine, like she doesn't belong there. And 
it blows me away because these are the same coaches that will bitch and complain that our, our sport needs to be bigger. It should be on TV. Blah, 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 blah. But then you're not inclusive. Like, sorry, if five people are going to do this sport, then it's not going to be on TV. You know, it's like it's got to become more popular. we got to be inclusive and get people to do it because, I mean, I, I just, you know, I'm sure you had moments in your career jumping where you felt maybe like, like you said, we're D3, that we weren't welcome or something. Right. I mean, how, I, like maybe do you have an example of something like that where it was like that maybe motivated you to kind of like want to kick their ass? Yeah, I mean, the uh, was it the New Balance Meets or the Armory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those ones I'd always get fired up for because we'd be competing against pretty much all D1. Yeah, I mean, back then, like, Texas would show up, LSU, like, all yeah. those schools. Yeah, and, you know, you show up as a D3 unknown, nobody knows who you are. Right, right. So, you know, they kind of look at you, what are you doing on this run? Yeah. Like, you're not a familiar face. So I, I think the first year that when I competed in the championship section i was right you know very excited but i definitely felt like i was a little out of place Uh, right right you know but then i think i might have did i know one of the years i know i I did yeah but i can't recall um, you know what i mean because i feel like it it was probably that year because your senior year you jumped i I think four meters or something 401 so junior year you you probably did no height because it was probably a high opening height you had just jumped 13 you know yeah or no you hadn't jumped 13 yet at that point because you jumped 13 at conferences so yeah you, you that was probably that year but then it was like you know yeah i definitely think you feel that kind of energy sometimes like people are like oh like what are you doing here i mean i even felt like that in in high school with you because you were a bergen oh, county yeah, kid yeah, yeah. and it was like but you were like saddlebrook so for people who don't know bergen county bergen county is one of the richest counties in the country not just in new jersey and so there's a lot of these schools that are like you know have a lot of money and they have and they were like always the pole vault schools you know the richer yes. schools but saddlebrook was one uh, like lower bergen county which is like not as affluent as those schools. And so when you would show up, they'd be like, what the hell is this Saddlebrook girl doing doing here? You know? Yeah. It's like it was oh, so yeah. crazy, you know? I mean, I don't want to name names, but yeah. uh, <laughs> we, would, we were very competitive with uh, Ridgewood. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Ridgewood is more of a ritzy town. Right. And uh, I remember I wasn't allowed to borrow poles yeah yeah because yeah. we forgot one right we didn't have a 1220 i asked the coach the coach actually said yes the athlete then was like no like i'm using it i'm like right but like this is pole vault like, you don't go at the same time she's like i'm using it and so it was like that year you actually got second to her that was your sophomore year right. and was, then junior year you you lost once that. to her oh and yeah that was because it. i know how you did no 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 <laughs> uh you lost on attempts at pen relays you guys both jumped the same bar at pen relays but she beat you on attempts no i thought i i didn't i jump it first well i don't know but she probably was later in the order you know what i'm saying okay, so okay. i remember because she got a medal and oh, you yeah, didn't get a medal the rotating thing yeah yeah, 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 yeah. i remember being clearing it yeah you guys her. both had the record yeah yeah, yeah yeah but it's like but other than that me every time you you yeah, would, yeah. you would beat her and then you know obviously at the end of the year you had jumped 12 one she didn't and whatever the rest is history yeah, yeah. but yeah i mean like there, there's definitely that that component of there like and that makes you more competitive oh, i think yeah. i think though unfortunately for some people when they face that kind of struggle it you, they get turned away, right, you know, yeah. and that's why I, I wish, you know, it's so funny. Everybody talks about pole vault being such a welcoming event, 
But that's like if you're with the right group of people. Right. If you're with the wrong group of people, oh, everybody's like turning their nose at you. You know, you shouldn't, you know, they're not going to outwardly say don't be here. But it's like, it's very interesting how some of this stuff happens and like which groups are acceptable and which groups aren't. It's like, you know, there's definitely the cool and not cool kids, you know? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I guess going back to like now, you know, let's say even after college, like, you know, it started to become tough. You know, why? You know what I mean? Like, what what, what became so tough for you? I put a lot more pressure on myself. I'll yeah. say that. Um, there was a lot more uncertainty. There wasn't competition, really. No. I mean, even senior there was, year, there wasn't that much. Right. And so, I mean, sorry to cut you off. I do this all the time. Um, but I guess one of the problems, and this is like kind of a bigger issue in the track world and, and the track community, is that after you finish college, literally unless you are like USA's level, like you go to Diamond League meets and whatever, um, you have to try to get into open meets. Like you said, there's no competition at that point. Yeah. You know, it's not a welcoming atmosphere. No, not at all. Oh, this yeah. is the hardest part because yeah. when um, yeah, I'd come in, all the girls would be finished already. So I'd be competing against myself, and girls would usually go first. Right. And then men would go after. But because I was still the only one there, sometimes they wouldn't even know. They would think that the girls were right, done. Right, and they would, they would try to do and drills they, and stuff. They would go on the runway while I'm trying to Pete. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Well, well and, and the best part is, like, I love how this, like, they, they start, like, the line yeah. right behind you, and they're like a pack of wolves, like, breathing on top of you, and you're picking up your pole, and you, like, feel breath on the back of your neck, and you're like, like, is, yeah. am, I, am I not supposed to jump right now? Like, should I just yeah, stop? It was, that's it was very unwelcoming feeling and uncomfortable. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and I really tried to get past that and not think about right. that and just focus on what... The, I wanted to accomplish in my goals, right. but it was really, really difficult to really put that aside, and that, you know, ultimately, it didn't work out. And well, it wasn't. Well, yeah, and, and to stick with the the meat scenario, what I think is crazy is like one, you have to like kind of beg to get in these meets. You have to sometimes email coaches; they either say yes or no. You know, you hope they say yes, but then it's like you know you got to drive to the meet. It could be an hour, two hours to the meet. You get to the meet, like you said. You warm up and then you wait and you wait. And keep in mind, guys, this is a college track meet and now you're no longer part of a college team. So it's not like you have your buddies there and you can hang out or whatever. Um, When it's time for you to jump, nobody's actually excited to watch you. No. You know, I just want you to be done. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're out of the way. Right. Exactly. And. And then it's like it's not a f- it's not fun for you. No. There's no music on. There's nobody clapping. Nobody cheering. And it's not like oh, after you're done jumping, there's like fun stuff to do. No, now worse, especially if you if you drove you know with your coach or with a college that you used to compete with. Now you have to sit and wait till everybody's done to go back home. But then you know you have like your real life that you have to catch up on, whether it's work or studies or whatever. And it's like. It's such a daunting task. Whereas, like, I feel like if there was more of a, I think, club atmosphere, I mean, and look, there's a lot, a lot of, po- uh, not a lot, but there's enough pole vaulting clubs in America that if we hosted more meets, people could compete. You know, it was fun atmosphere. Like this summer, I told you about uh, the pole vault club championships. I mean, 
we had 100 competitors, 130 spectators. I charged $10 at the door. The spectator money went to prize money. We had a food truck, a DJ. There were uh, like WWE style like championship belts for the winners. And the winners ended up getting $800. I mean, if you would have had that opportunity... <laughs> It would have been fun. Like, oh, you yeah. would have had a good time. And then it's like after there was a bunch of, like, the adults that went to the hula hands. They had beers and food and whatever. Yeah. Like, that sounds like something that people would want to do. But, like, the reverse, it's really daunting. And then on top of it, if you had a bad day, how did you feel? Oh. Compare that versus, like, a bad day in college versus a bad day now post-collegiate. Because maybe go into, like, what's the drive? Like, you want to do post-collegiate. What was the goal? Versus, you know, kind of in college what the goal is and how that weighs on you after the meet, you know? Yeah, so, you know, after or even when I committed to wanting to compete for at least one year, just focus, I was going to take a year off from school. Uh, I wanted to train so that way I can qualify for USAs. That yeah, was, and, at, and at the time... It was very realistic. I mean, you were at 13, 9, and 3 quarters. It was probably going to take something a little over 14. I mean, that's there, you know? Right, yeah. Um, so, you know... Um, what are you thinking now? <laughs> She's caught between thoughts, people. Yeah, no, um, it was... The stakes were just a lot higher because then when... You're out of college, then, you know, it's like you have the pressure. Or in my mind, I was like, well, my friends and family are going to be asking, why are you still doing this if you're not yeah. doing competing well or right. performing well? And you're, it's not making you happy because it's, it's a little different when you're in college. You can come back to your dorm if you live on a campus. And right. You have your teammates and you can kind of brush it off. And well, right. In college, you know, friends and family don't always see how upset you are after the meet. You know what I mean? Like, right. especially family, right? Like you yeah, said, yeah, you yeah. go back to your dorm room, your parents don't see you upset and maybe punch the wall or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I lived at home, obviously, so it was, it's different just living at home, not around your friends. A lot of my friends right. kind of lived far further away, so I didn't see them have them to really have that, like, social support. Right, right. And not having that was um, very challenging and made me feel even more alone yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. in the experience so i you know it really it wasn't fun anymore right um, and you know if we had something like a club culture right that there was a lot more people competing possibly collegiately in mm -hmm. the area or even if they could compete unattached and i could still compete against college kids more frequently then it would have been more exciting you still have that competitive uh, feel to it. So I think if we had that, then things may have been a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, I think also for me, what I, I feel a lot with track is like there's this stigma, like the only reason you should be pole vaulting after college is if you are going to the Olympics. Right. And it's that's really, really like trying. Like I feel like if you tell someone, oh, like I, I lift, like I do powerlifting. Oh, that's cool. Like whatever. They leave you alone. Hey, I'm in a bowling league. 
that's cool. That's fine. You know, yeah. I play volleyball. That's fine. You know, softball, right? But it's like, oh, I pull ball. Like, it's, mm-hmm. there's this stigma. And again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying at this college meet. I felt so horrible for this freshman girl. You know, she's excited. You know, she's at a Division three. I think she's at an appropriate school for her skill level. And it's like these college coaches, like, you could tell they're just like, oh, what is she doing here? And it's like, that's not inviting. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? And, and it's so weird to me also how quickly things change. Right, you're a senior in college. Everything's cool. Everybody kind of like knows who you are too, because they all yeah. the college kids keep up with the rankings and stuff like that. Then you're that first year post collegiate. You're only one year older, and they look at you like you're a grandma. Like they're like, yeah, "What yeah, is this yeah. older lady doing here?" You know, it's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Like, yeah, you know, it's almost like, "Oh, when are you going to be done? Why are you still doing this? When are you going to grow up?" Kind of feeling. That's how I felt. Yeah. Um, you know, especially because I wanted to take a year off from, from school because I always wanted to go to grad school. Uh, so, you know, and then to f- family even too because I was very good academically. Yeah, yeah. And um, so even just internally knowing that I'm putting off more right. school was difficult on myself. But then hearing from other people, you know, uh, like, when are you going to be done? Kind of. And yeah. I'm like, well, that's not supportive at all. And, you know, I'm upset about it already. So right. I, I uh, and struggled a lot. Yeah. And, and I think the thing is, one, like any advice I would give to people who are maybe trying to go the path that you went, one – I don't think people realize how much time they have. And I know when you're young, it seems like a year is a long time. Now, like where I'm sitting, you know, it's like I'm 37 and maybe 38 soon, you know, but I think about it and I'm like, look, like I have plenty of time. Like I said, like, oh, I'd love there to be 35 apex vaultings. I'm not thinking about doing that like next year. I'm not crazy. I know that's going to take time. But it's like if you're jumping post-collegiate, I mean let's say even you you don't go to grad school. And obviously this is all personal decisions. But it's like you shouldn't feel any pressure. If you don't go to grad school for a year, two years, three years, four years, whatever – who knows? Maybe five years down the line, you decide you don't want to do that. And that's okay. Like, but I think all this outside pressure, it, it, it's really daunting and, and it kind of prevents you from kind of just enjoying what you actually want to do. And I, I know for me, even, you know, when I left teaching, I mean, I remember you were still in high school and you told the athletic director at the high school who great guy, I, I love my him and meet still, uh, Je- Jeff Weiss. Um, I'll see him meet today and he'll ask me questions, but <laughs> Michelle had, you know, you went to his office and was like, oh, you know, Bronco would love to have a pole vaulting club, like his own facility. Mm-hmm. And Jeff was like, oh, Michelle told me you want to have a pole vaulting club. <laughs> and he kind of laughed at me. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's like a dream. That's never mm-hmm. going to happen. Like, I'm at that time, like, because uh-huh. I'm downplaying it because it sounds crazy to people, yeah. you know? And it's like, that is tough because when you want to do something that normally people don't do, you know, it, it is daunting. And I, and I think even going back to like, you know, the college kids even being like, Hey, why are you still jumping? You know, yeah, I find it crazy because, and, and you know how I am as a coach and how much I love this event and how, you know, I, I'm very proud because I feel like a lot of kids leave this club and they really love the event. They know it, you know, they, I mean, I have kids who go to their colleges and they end up coaching their colleges, you know? And, um, I just feel like a lot of people jump to get into college. There's definitely this, this demographic that jumps to just get into college. Once they get there, eh, yeah. how, how I, how high I jump doesn't matter. 
Because, I mean, we've seen it. You know, there, there were guys and girls. They jumped really high marks in high school. They get to college, they jump at a foot, two feet below. That clearly is telling me these people weren't actually passionate about the sport. They were just doing it to get into school. And I think that's partly why it's so hard. So now you choose to continue post-collegially, and these people are like, the hell is wrong with her? I'm like, I'm a freshman. I'm ready to tap out now. You know what I mean? And it's like, but those aren't really passionate people in the event. I, I think, you know, I was telling you uh, next weekend I'm, you know, going to go to this USPVA meeting. And part of the thing that kind of st- sticks in my head is like, okay, we want to grow the sport at Pole What hurdles do we have in the way? What obstacles do we have in the way of growing the sport? I think number one is access, mm-hmm. right? People need access to pole vaulting equipment. I mean, mats are you know over twenty thousand dollars. Each pole is three to six hundred dollars, right? So the, the, you people need access to this equipment so they could even just try the event. That's the first hurdle that we need to kind of overcome. But the second hurdle that I, I think is crazy. Listen, if you love track and you love the 400 meters, that's awesome. But I'm telling you right now, if you're going to make every pole vaulter run a 300, a 400, repeat 200s, you're going to turn a lot of pole vaulters away. And last time I checked, nobody runs past 150 feet. Like, it's, it's wild. I feel like that's one of the obstacles because these kids want to pole vault. They want to get better at pole vault. I think even some of the ones that go into college passionate – they're like, shit, I'm always running repeat 200s and repeat 300s, and I'm lifting all this weight and doing plyos. I don't pull vault a lot, and then I go to meets. I don't jump high. Why am I, why am I doing all this non-pull vault work, and then when I go, <laughs> go to pull vault, I can't enjoy my event? That, I think that's a big hurdle. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, that kind of goes back into what we were talking about even post-collegiately. It's like, you know, you go to this meet, you want to enjoy jumping. And even in the environment, like, forget about, like, family and friends bothering you in that environment not being welcoming. Like, why are you still jumping? You don't even feel welcomed in the track environment. Yeah, It's no, wild. I was very, it was, it was very unwelcoming. I felt very uncomfortable, always very tense. Yeah. And you would always tell me to, you need to relax. relax. Yeah. Relax, get your knees up. But I'm like, I am trying, but they're not, like, moving. And, like, yeah. it physically took over me, I think. Like, yeah. And I didn't really wear, was aware of it at the right. time. It was more of, like, a slow process. Then. Yeah. And it was just kind of, you know, the numbers just kept going down yeah. and down. And then, you know... If I was more self-aware of this process, yeah. I think I would have been able to handle it a little bit better and then maybe well, overcome e- it. Even me as a coach, it was new to me. And, you know, and, and I think you know, it's funny. I was telling stories about Vitaly Petrov the other day to kids at practice. For those of you that don't know, I've heard some crazy stories from Alan Launder. God rest his soul. He's passed away. But he wrote Beginner to Bupka. And Alan told me crazy stories about Sergei Bupka. This man jumped 20 feet, guys. He would cry at practice with Vitaly Petrov because Vitaly would be so hard. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not good enough, not good. You know. And I guess in my, in my mind at that point, you know, and I, I know we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. It's like at that point in my coaching, I was just like all in or nothing. Yeah. Right. I was like, yeah. there's a Kevin Hart video that I love. I don't know. You know, Kevin Hart, yes. the comedian <laughs> where he, it's on Instagram. He's like, listen. He goes, everybody ask me why I act like this. He goes, for me, I want the best 
or nothing. <laughs> and then he would, you see all this in the middle? I don't want none of that. It's the best. Or and I feel like that's how I was as a coach at that time. And it was like, if I couldn't get 100% from someone, it's like, please, don't, don't talk to me. But it's like, that also is very difficult. People are going to go through ups and downs in life. Like now I look a lot at like people like Holly Holm in the UFC. You know, she's had a long career now and you know, she's had ups and downs. She's won, she's lost, you know, but she keeps coming back. And I look at her Instagram and it's beautiful. Like the way she's able to power through the losses, continue to train, find balance too. Like she has fun. Like there was one video she posted with her teammate who trains at Jackson Winklejohn. That's the, the, the gym they have. And they did like some, I think that Beyonce song came out that everybody was dancing to. So they did a dance video. It was like hysterical, you know? So she's able to be happy and make it through the losses, get to the next win. You know, that to me is like what you kind of need to do to make yeah. it long lasting. Cause yeah. you could like for spurts, you could have that Vitaly Petrov, like Sergey Bubka crying in the corner moments, <laughs> but like, you can't like every day be like that. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like you, you have to find the pockets and, and sometimes that's difficult, you know? Yeah. I mean, to piggyback off, what you said i think as a person i'm very much the same way where i'm like it's either all in perfect right. or nothing at all i remember during training like during mm-hmm. season i was like i'm all in kind of thing and then when i was off season i'm like not doing anything like right don't, don't contact me i'm right. just like laying on the couch for i think we would get two weeks a year or something yeah like. yeah so it's just and you know it's Finding balance is definitely key, and I think in the younger years, we had more of a balance where, you know, if, right. we, if it wasn't expected to be perfect at everything because we were just learning, and right, but right, as right. you go, get more advanced, then it's tougher to remember that you're still learning, and it's okay to fail, and it's like, right. it's not supposed to be perfect. You're not supposed to know everything. Well, and, and you know, and it's funny because even for me as a de- uh, developing as a coach, you know, I mean, there was like a streak of, I don't know, something like 10 years where it was like everyone jumped higher. You know, it's like every year was better. Every year was better. And when I say everyone jumped higher, I mean like my top marks were always going up. You know, maybe the people changed or whatever, but it's like the marks were always going up. And I mean, I remember when like that stopped. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was like, it was literally like, I remember like, I just, you know, at the club at the time, it changed, right? Like I used to have a lot of girls that were like your height or taller. You know, I used to have a lot of guys that were like about six foot. And then it's like, I kind of started getting a lot of like shorter, smaller, a little bit slower people. And I had to find that place too of balance where it was like, okay, like you enjoy coaching and you enjoy helping people. Don't worry whether you win or lose. You know what I mean? It's about progress. And if as long as you're making progress, you know, that can kind of center you. I think what happens is you start to like, again, micromanage the day and be like, oh my God, this is not the absolute best I've ever done in my life. This sucks. Let's break the standards. Let's throw a pole, like whatever. It's like you, you go crazy, but it's like, that's, you can't, you can't manage that, you know? Yeah. Um, I, we definitely, I think both of us together probably got very strict on ourselves, always trying to be more perfect. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, if I didn't do it right, it's always like, I'll do this better, do this better. And when I was constantly hearing like negative things, it just brings it down. It's nothing. It's not your fault. Like, you know, I also interpreted it as right. Right. If I heard one bad negative comment, then it would be like, change the direction of the practice so right right to be extra sensitive with me right i mean i definitely remember sometimes like trying to be careful not to say anything negative you know what i mean because it's like 
almost I felt like I could say three good things. Like, oh, man, that was a great plant. You jumped up. But you just swing a little faster. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be like, I would only focus on the negative part and not on the good right. things. Right, yeah, yeah. Then you lo- kind of lose focus on I remember, the goal. And then I remember even sometimes I'd be like, wow, that was that was awesome. Do that again. And you'd look at me like, I don't think that was awesome. Yeah. Are you lying to me? Are you just trying to make me happy? And I'm like, Well, because right. I think you taught me too well. And I <laughs> yeah, was like yeah. almost like hypersensitive to everything on the runway right. like if everything wasn't on i wouldn't take off right and you, you know what i kind of learned because you weren't the only one i i i'm very fortunate that i've coached a lot of people for like six seven eight years at a time it's not just you you know mm-hmm. and that's why it's like even my knowledge of like how to go about things like i mean there were a lot of athletes where it's like almost like they would take a jump and i'm like uh and just kind of like give a gesture and they knew exactly <laughs> what i meant and they go back to the runway but what i also kind of discovered through you through these other people is like kind of like i always kind of you know i have to go back to giving you the full explanation sometimes because yeah. you can never hear it too too many times no. you know no matter how many times you see a drill no matter how many times you do a drill there's always that next layer that you can learn that it's different today it's different you know, um, you know, I remember you even would talk about how you felt your body was different at, oh, at, yeah. at certain stages, you know, like you would tell me, it's like, I'm not that same person, you know, that, mm-hmm. that jumped this bar. And I mean, that's certainly true. I, I remember a coach one time when you jumped 13 for the first time, I was like, wow, she's finally jumping as high as she should. Uh-huh. And I remember watching like the video of you jumping 13 and watching the video of you in high school jumping 12. I'm like, Yo, 12-foot Michelle is really slow. <laughs> she would get her ass kicked by 13-foot Michelle. Like, what do you mean? Five? Like, that girl was not going to jump 13. Like, what are these people watching? Yeah. And it's like, it's it's funny because, you know, I almost like, I don't like watching a lot of video during practice, but definitely as reference points to kind of plan practices. Thank God we have video because I can't imagine what people would think in memory because I know even me. Uh, Pete and Adam who jumped with you, Peter Matano and Adam Laser. Uh, Adam jumped 15.5 at the end and, and Pete jumped 15.9. But I remember when they were 14-footers in high school and I remember talking to like a high school boy like years later after Adam and Pete were not in high school anymore. I was like, oh man, I'm telling you, Adam and Pete's jumps, they were so smooth, they were so good in high school. And, and this current kid was also probably a 14-plus guy. And then I like took out the old video of Adam and Pete and compared it to the new kid. I'm like, oh my god, Adam and Pete suck. This kid is way better, <laughs> you know. Like, because in my memory, I'm like, oh, it was, it was such beautiful jumps. And then I pulled it out. I'm like, this is shit. Oh my god. Like, so you always have a fuzzy memory. I think sometimes, you know, when you're when you're trying to compare jumps, but it, it is amazing. Like throughout the whole journey of like you know growing and developing, because you know obviously you did hit plateaus at certain points. Definitely. But I mean, if you think about your career, it's kind of crazy. I mean. Right, you jump eight six as a freshman, you know, with some coaching. Um, then ten six as a sophomore, you know. Once I start coaching you, twelve one as a junior, you jump twelve as a senior. You did also have mono at some point. There was, and then also just I think transition year again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't handle those too well. Yeah, then twelve two and a half, 12-2. right? Or twelve two, twelve two as a freshman. Then twelve eight and a quarter. As a sophomore, something like that. It's twelve eight and something. Then thirteen five and a half, I think. Whatever four ten is, you jump that um, as a junior, and then thirteen nine and three quarters as a senior. I mean, that's kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Like when you when you see the the development. But I, I think the thing that I want everyone to kind of take away from this podcast and, and kind of get is that 
every year you had to add the next layer. It had to get more intense. And it's not for everyone. No. You know what I mean? This is not like, you know, I have definitely plenty of athletes that, you know, sometimes even take the summers off. And then when we come back in the fall, we reassess and see where they want to go and talk about planning, you know, because it's just, it's like what you did and pushed yourself that much. It's not realistic for everyone. I mean, I came out like, you know, I, I coach Peter Roach now who, who's a 17, nine guy, but he has a full-time job. He lives in the city. He can't get to the club a lot. He has, you know, he's learned a lot about managing his time and how to get the best bang for his buck to, mm-hmm. to jump as high as he possibly can. Now, you know, there's so many things that you have to take into account when you're trying to jump high or jump at the next level. And Again, it's not for everyone. You know, it's totally okay. If I, I think personally, if you want to jump because you love it and it's fun and you just want to have fun, that's cool. Totally fine. And you might even PR a little bit just like that too. Are you going to, you know, make the tremendous leaps that you did, Michelle? I don't know. You know what I mean? That's probably not realistic. But I, I think it's definitely something that people have to understand. Like every time you want to get to that next level, it's going to take more effort. It's going to take another layer, you know? Right, right. It's it's definitely not for everyone. But I will say that if you want it, it doesn't feel like it's work or that much. Like it's still effort. Right, you right, have to right. to push right. yourself. But you don't mind it. Like, you want to do this. So it, it doesn't feel like it's 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 as difficult as... Right, that we're, we're maybe explaining, yeah. I mean, I, I think for sure. Like, for me, I think, you know, I put in a lot of hours coaching. Some people would not be happy doing that. I mean, some people right. maybe would be happy coaching once a week or twice a week. I'm not happy with that. I, I have to coach every day. I, and it's so funny. I'll even... I usually, like, after New Year's... New Year's Day, I usually don't have a day off till after indoors is over. So we're talking about usually like March, you know, or, or like the end of February. So I'll go that whole stretch without a day off. But it's so funny. If I have two days off in a row, it's like I'm like already like going crazy. Like I need to do something, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, depending on what you want and where you're at. Yeah, it might be something you want to do. Just understand it is going to take a lot of effort. You know, you are going to have to try to figure things out, you know, because I think the mistake that a lot of people make, too, when they're trying to PR, you know, is like they think they could just jump, that it's just going to be jumping, you know. And like you said, it takes consistent effort with training. It takes, you know, making sure you get sleep, making sure that your diet's on point, making sure that, you know, sometimes you may miss a celebration here and there because – you have to be ready to train. It's like, it just all depends on, on your goals, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I will say when things started going downward towards the end, Mm -hmm. when I kind of knew that it wasn't for me anymore, even though I kind of denied it for so long, but that's when I would not be resentful, but no, but, but I, I get it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I kind of want to go see my friends tonight. Right. Thing. And then, you know, I should have known those are the signals that maybe this isn't for me anymore. But, you know, I was like, I said I was going to do this. And I'm like, well, I'm going to do it. Well, right. That's I like kind of like, that's kind of like being OCD. I feel like I'm a little yes. OCD. It's like if I tell someone I'm going to do something, I'm like, I have to fucking do it now. Like yeah. I can't, I can't, you know, it's like to me, the the worst thing I could do is tell an athlete I'm going to do something like buy a new pole or go wow. to this me or whatever and it's like not do if i didn't do it I, I would feel like a terrible person you know so it's like i always feel like i have to commit but like 
it's funny. I mean, like, look, like I get to that point. We were talking about this a couple weeks ago where sometimes like I get like maybe bitter or resentful and be like, well, if I did this, I would be at this point in my life. Or if I did that, I would be at that point in my life. But then it's like I have to always come back and I'm just like, okay, like calm down. It's nobody else's fault. Like you made decisions, you made choices. And if I want more of this or that in my life, like more friends time or more off time, then I have to make those adjustments. And that's, right. that's part of finding that that balance, exactly, you know, yeah, yeah. um, the other thing that I would add, I, I think, and, and hands down, like, especially that group of you guys that, that were at Rampo at that time. I, I mean, I can't one, I can't be more proud of a group of kids like, or athletes, especially as adults, you know, where everybody is at this point. I mean, I think, you know, you're all doing like pretty awesome stuff and you're, you're all, you all seem pretty happy. You know what I mean? I'm sure everybody has a bad day every once in a while. <laughs> um, but those moments and when you do push yourself that hard, you know, I feel like that's something that people don't get when you really, really push and you really want to see, you know, how far you could go with something. You, you really find out how strong and powerful you are. Cause I think that's the thing. All of you guys had a taste of that at some point, maybe by mm-hmm. senior year, some of the people kind of tapped out, but like at some point, everyone there was pushing so hard and trying to find that next level, you know, in, in themselves. And I think when you take anything, you know, it doesn't have to just be pole vault. It could be anything. But when you, when you really push yourself that hard to see what you're made out of, you see how strong and powerful you are and how you could apply that to other things in your life. Now, all of a sudden, other things in your life, it's like, I'll be all right. You know what I mean? I mean, because I I remember you one time kind of bragging to me when you first started your PhD program about the schools that everybody came from and how you guys were all at the same point. You know, like you said, there were a couple of Harvard students and stuff like that. And you were kind of like, hey, I'm still here right next to them, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was always a little insecure going to a smaller D3 school. And, you mm-hmm. know, uh, it's not a big name academically either. Right. Um, and then, you know, I was like, oh, I kind of want to go for this PhD and then uh, yeah. and then all the other students that were already there so I joined the program a little bit later but all the ones who were there kind of had a lot more experience not only in the research lab but yeah. most of them went to better quote unquote academic schools right 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 so um so it was very definitely challenging and intimidating being there but I remember being in the class with them and I started halfway through, and mm-hmm. they already took a lot of the prerequisites class from right. the previous semester, but they just threw me in. Yeah. And I remember getting, like, the highest grade in the class. Right. And I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, So I don't think – if I knew ahead of time that it, it doesn't matter, like, I shouldn't be in, like, insecure about, yeah. like, oh, I only went to the small school. It's not known about anything. Like, all that doesn't matter is if, if, if you work hard and – you know, you put the effort in, then you are on the same level as those people. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's funny. I feel like at apex kind of like the people who are attracted to apex vaulting are kind of the people with the chip on their shoulder. You know, they tend to be the, the kids from the smaller high school. They tend to be the kids at the smaller colleges and, and they love it here because yeah, I mean, look, I'm that same kid. I mean, I, you know, for people who maybe don't know, I only jumped ten six in high school. I was terrible. I didn't have a coach. We have four poles, you know, whatever. And then I started coaching, but I just dove in and I, I worked hard and I learned. And like I said, I ended up jumping 14, but like, 
I, I feel like I give everybody, I try to give everybody that, that idea, like you said, that if you work hard, it doesn't matter where you started. It doesn't matter where you come from. Like if you bust your ass, you can do something that no one expects. And that's, that's what I think is like the amazing thing because, you know, I, can't, I don't know, I just still can't forget it. But like when I was speaking to this freshman girl at, at the college meet today, it's like she really like had this immense doubt in her that like, oh, like, I can't do it. And I'm like, no, that's bullshit. That's stuff that other people tell you, like that you can't accomplish something. I mean, like, okay, if maybe somebody asked me, like, Bronco, do you think that girl could jump 16? I'm like, all right, well, let's get to 8 and 9 and 10 first, and then we can have that conversation later. You know, I'm not delusional, but at the same time, it's like, don't tell someone they can't do it if they've never even really tried yet. Right, no. You know? You're sabotaging them, right? As soon as you put that yeah. doubt in your mind, then you're done. Right, you know? and and the thing is, like, you you got to believe you could do it. I mean, yeah. I, I and what I always think is funny at the club is, like, I feel like sometimes, you know, again, like, you would be on the runway sometimes like oh, what was the girl's name she was from like Washington you know what I'm oh, talking about your junior no your junior year it was Abby you and who was the third girl oh Catherine Catherine Street, Street. oh my god how did I forget her name <laughs> yo girl was huge man oh, yeah, she's a monster athlete. oh my god <laughs> she she was at least a couple inches taller than you and yeah. she she was a big girl she probably weighed like 150 and she was like on a 14 170 and stuff yeah. we're like oh my god like, <laughs> yeah, <it's> like <laughs> and abby. yeah 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 you and abby were like the minis you know and abby was a little bit smaller abby was yeah, 115 yeah. pounds so you know it was just crazy but it was like even once you got to that level we were always like kind of like maybe the smaller person like i right. love in fighting how they have weight classes because i kind of think it's a, it's a decent way of looking at things and so it's like you're kind of like that middleweight you know mm-hmm. what i mean and sometimes you had to go against heavyweights but it was like we always went into it like we could do it you know we we, yeah. we can win this meet you know it, we always wanted to oh well, to me at least i always yeah. kind of want to prove them yeah yeah that i we can compete with them you know right. I, mean, I mean part of the the club culture when you first started was yeah you know we're these nobodies right like you're starting off yeah you know, like we got to prove it you to know, everybody that we, we can be on their we're level. We're almost you know? like the misfits or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah. And then also <laughs> the bad all news these, bears. Yeah, then also <laughs> these apex Baltic shirts everywhere. People would look at us like, ah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who are these people? And, you know, not as friendly, like all club kids right. or whatever. But then, you know, we we use that as fuel and then we kind of start dominating. So, I mean, why do you think you're so successful now? It's- yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just something, it's funny to me. It's like, you know, l- like we were talking about, for some people, they hear they can't do it and they're like, oh, maybe I can't. But I've always just, I don't know what it is about me when someone tells me that I can't do it. I'm like, really? Now I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> like, I, now I want to do it even more, you know? Um, but yeah. Um, well, we've done almost an hour and a half. I feel like I should let you go. I know you said you had somewhere to go, but I think this was an awesome episode. I think a lot of people can get tremendous value from this. Um, thanks again no, for being. Thank, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Uh, no problem. And uh, you know, guys, we're on Instagram at the Real Apex Vaulting, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Apex Vaulting, and if you if you want to reach out, it's just apexvaulting at gmail dot com. Um, and guys, it's Christmas time. You should go to the Apex Vaulting store and buy your favorite pole vaulter Apex Vaulting t shirt. I think that would be a great Christmas gift. Um, happy holidays, and uh, you know we'll see you next time.